Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of United on Wheels, United Spinal's new podcast about the ins and outs of wheelchair life. Uh, I'm really excited about today's episode because we've got a great group of members to talk about one of the topics that's nearest and dearest to my heart, and that's advocacy. Uh, in case you don't know me, I'm Ian Ruder. I'm an editor for New Mobility Magazine, and uh, I do a lot of the social media for United Spinal and have been involved with advocacy for about the past 10 years. So I'm really excited that we're talking about this as we get closer to the seventh annual Roll on Capitol Hill, uh, which we'll talk about some more later on, but one of United Spinal's signature uh, events and always one of my favorite parts of the year. So uh, as most basic, advocacy is simply supporting or fighting for something that you believe in. Uh, something we all do in our daily lives in one form or another but a lot of times, I think when we start talking about legislation and policy, people get overwhelmed or feel like they don't have the knowledge or the skills to be involved. Uh, if you take anything away from today's podcast, hopefully it will be that that is simply not true. No matter how jaded or skeptical you are about our current political system, your voice as an advocate can make a difference. And I think it's safe to say if you're a wheelchair user or a member of the spinal cord injury community, we need your voices now more than ever. From attempts to roll back the ADA, to cuts to Medicare and funding for the equipment we depend on, the threats to our livelihood are real. And if we don't speak up, who knows what could happen? Luckily, as today's panelists will show, uh, advocacy can be incredibly rewarding and fun, though sometimes frustrating. Uh, it's something that I think all these people have really been affected by and hopefully will make you uh, interested in exploring after we are done. Uh, so before I get bogged down in a rambling speech about all these things, let me introduce the three awesome wheelers who are with me today and let them do the talking. So first off, I'd like to introduce Brooke McCall from Oregon. Brooke is United Spinal's manager for grassroots advocacy and is helping lead the organization's push to get more involved with advocacy issues at the state level. Hello, Brooke. Hey, Ian. Next up, I'm uh, joined by Rob Wudlick from Minnesota. Rob is an avid outdoorsman who has become an even more passionate advocate for allocating state funds towards SCI research. His vision and relentless advocacy have led to some really cool policy successes, which I'm sure we'll get to talk about. And it's great to have you here today, Rob. Yeah, howdy. And last but definitely not least, we have Gina Shu from Arizona. You may know her from her writings on Push Living, her Facebook page, Gina is on a roll, or one of her many other ventures. She also founded United Spinal's Arizona chapter, Accessible Arizona, and has been a leading voice for policy reform in her local community. Gina, welcome. Thank you, it's an honor. Cool, well, uh, I thought maybe you guys, we could kick it off just talking about what advocacy is. Uh, I looked up the just, to get us started, the dictionary definition, and it's pretty pretty boring and simplistic, so I thought you guys have some more color for it, but the dictionary says it's public support or a recommendation of a particular cause or policy, but how would you guys define advocacy? Maybe starting with you, Rob. Well, um, it's a way of educating others, basically, to try to transfer knowledge or address your concerns on a certain issue so definitely you guys have anything to add to that yeah i would say 
my personal experience is that advocacy is really essentially problem solving. You're finding a problem in the community and you're solving it through legislation or advocating whichever way you choose. And so really, I mean, to me, that's what I see advocacy as. I agree. Um, I just think it's great that we can let people know the things we need. A lot of times that's kind of unsaid. And so being able to have that voice and then offering solutions and making sure that people know when there's something being proposed that's going to negatively affect my life, that I'm able to be part of that discussion. How did you guys get involved with this? I mean, have you always been involved with advocacy or is it something that came, you, came to you later in life or... Uh, what what did, what spurred you to become an advocate? I'm for me, this is Brooke. Um, just having a spinal cord injury, I don't know that I would have considered myself um, an advocate beforehand. But we learn so quickly how to become advocates for ourselves in the medical world and and in our housing and our um, living in the community needs that we're constantly um, having to speak up and inform people and educate. So then um, it kind of was a natural progression. And for me, um, my background's in public health and I learned so much about getting data and research and things that will um, really have a lot of impact on the community overall. But then knowing that there's like a lack of advocates out there, really getting down and speaking with legislators and making sure all the important work and knowledge is um, turning over and being used by legislators and um, yeah, so it's been an interesting ride, but uh, it's like a natural progression. And I think a lot of people in chairs just have this great ability to become advocates. Yeah, Rob, I agree. I oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Gina. I was going to say, I agree. I, I kind of call myself the accidental advocate because, you know, through my accident, I got into this too a lot. Like Brooke says, you know, I was explaining to... Uh, someone just recently, it's like when you have your accident, it's like putting on a pair of sunglasses and seeing the world very differently. It allows you a perspective that you didn't have before and, you know, gives you a lot of purpose as an advocate. Definitely. I was going to yeah. say, Rob, I remember yeah. meeting you at the Rolling Capitol Hill, I think one of the first years. I can't remember if it was the first or second year. And I think you were pretty newly injured at that point. Uh, and you know, I think everyone talking about some of these things that was new to me also, advocacy was sort of new to me also, and uh, seeing all the stuff that you've gotten accomplished and done with it since then, I and mean, how it's changed you. Uh, I was, were you intimidated at all initially? Was it kind of overwhelming or was it just something that would take naturally to you? Yeah, you know, so my first time really getting involved in public policy advocacy was actually uh, the same day a year after my injury. Um, I got asked to go testify for a bill in Minnesota uh, for research. And, you know, it, it's, it was pretty intimidating going in there in an unfamiliar environment um, with, you know, the big Capitol building that's got lots of artwork and sculptures and, you know, politicians walking around in your yard going to go talk to them. And, you know, the thing that they're just people, they want to hear your story. and um, it's, you know, after the, the first or second time, it was pretty, turned into more of a normal environment and things started clicking, so. Did you guys have that experience, Gina or Brooke? I mean, was it intimidating for you or did it come naturally? 
I think for me, um, here in Arizona, it seems like it's pretty open to people. For me, it was pretty simple. I've I've gone to law school, so I had a slow introduction to uh, law and legislation. So for me, it was a little easier to get into it. I think it can be intimidating if you are just unfamiliar with it. But once, like you say, you know, once you go in once, twice, it becomes so easy. It's just you, you can't believe how easy it is. I agree. Um, I would say I got off to maybe a slower start. Um, I spent the first 10 years of my injury um, in California and I, I wanted to be part, but I, it did feel pretty intimidating and I didn't have um, a tool or anyone really there to help me. And, um, and now I'm seeing how common that is for people across the country, um, just within, with speaking with them. And there's a lot of interest, but I mean, some people um, imagine that, that advocating means, you know, you're on the floor speaking to, you know, the house or you're, you're surrounded by people and it's this, this uh, you know, really intimidating event when um, honestly it's, pretty built into each of our legislators' um, time and their staff to make sure they're listening to their constituents. And they really want to hear from us. Um, as much as I don't always like people to, uh, you know, point me out because of my chair, at the same time, those I've been in many rooms where they, are, they just say, I want to hear what you have to say. Like, I need to hear from you. And um, that they really want that and they value our voice and it has great impact. That's a great point, actually, and a good transition. I mean, maybe each of you guys could share a couple of stories that show what, how advocacy really manifests, that it's not, not necessarily sitting on the floor of the House or the Senate and testifying in front of a, you know, a big committee. What, is, what are the actual interactions that you've been a part of that help bring about uh, the kind of policies or things that you're looking to affect? I would say, um, personally, on my experience, it's just one-on-one -on -one meeting with them, just kind of being yourself and telling your story and asking them for help. And if they feel, if the legislators, you're sitting down with a legislator, you know, you call ahead, make a meeting, you get like 30 minutes. So if you can express what your needs are and they want to help, then they'll be on board and that's all it is. I mean, you're not talking to a big group or anything like that. It's just a one-on-one -on -one meeting often. And they're very, very open to meeting with people. They meet with people of all walks of life. So they're very open to hearing what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say, you know, one of my favorite comments about advocacy is was from a state representative in Minnesota and he talking about all these people that go to the rallies and, you know, they kind of muster with them among themselves and go home at the end of the day without talking to a single politician. And it's it's really about driving your voice to the people that need to hear it. Um, and, yeah, the, the rallies are good to connect, make some cool ideas, connect with people, build up confidence and learn more. But, you know, it's really those one-on-one -on -one meetings or if you bring a group into an office meeting, um, you know, and a good way for beginners is to start with your district's representatives or senators, and then, but they may not be in a committee where your bill needs to go through. So getting the lead on who you should talk to through that is pretty helpful. Um, and you really want to talk to the committee members 
um, that are going to be hearing your piece of legislation so, or your issue. And Rob, how did you go about learning that? I mean, you make it sound really simple now, and I, I know it's not actually as complicated as a lot of people think, but for a lot of, for people who aren't familiar with the way that our legislative system works or, you know, or have, have something that they're passionate about and want to take to their uh, state or, you know, maybe federal representatives, what would you recommend for kind of initial steps to figure out who they need to be talking to? Yeah, so if you're, you know, brand new to going to your state or federal advocacy, you know, legislator bodies, um, I'd recommend starting out with your um, local leader. Um, I'll give you the kind of the basic advice and if they're helpful, um, they've got, they're the ones that have most your interest in mind. It doesn't matter what party, if they're you know, Republican, Democrat, they they should give you the time of day to, you know, help you out at least. Um, and then, you know, going, getting leads on a committee. So we have our research bill is funded through higher education and that's the higher education committee. So. We went and met with every, we tried to meet every year with every member of that committee. That's about 15 people. So um, on each side of the Senate and the House in Minnesota. Um, so it's 30 meetings a year. It's pretty intense, but uh, to get those meetings, you just go up to, you know, the legislative assistant um, or call them and try to schedule a meeting that works for everyone. And, these meetings are only 15 minutes long. You know, every issue up there is important, including yours. Um, so it's nothing to get discouraged if they don't, you know, like pick up the pencil and start writing your bill right away. It's, um, everyone up there has important things going on. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. What, what have your experiences been? What, what, do you have any advice along those lines, Gina? I would say, yeah, definitely. I mean, my experience is in, um, it doesn't happen quickly. You know, don't come in, don't be discouraged if, like, the next week you're not getting what you want. Everything moves really slowly legislatively. And then also who you're going to be meeting with as far as that. Um, it's very important that you're their constituent. They really like to hear from their own constituents. So, Definitely go with your local legislator, like you were saying. They want to hear from you first and foremost, and they'll give you an idea of where to go from there if they can't help you as well, which I find generally is the case. Yeah, you talk about, you guys both talked about the kind of long-term nature of advocacy and, you know, these things don't happen overnight. And Rob, I think the story of the legislation in Minnesota is a really great example of kind of your tenacity and how you guys stuck with that for a long time to make it become a reality. Could you tell us just a little bit about how, what went into that and kind of the whole process so that people who are listening yeah. could get a better sense of it? So a year before I was injured, um, one of our Minnesota locals, who, father who has a son that's a quadriplegic, Matt Roderick, um, he created an idea for a bill to fund research for the state, which had been repeated before in like 11 different states at that time. Um, and so we, he asked me to go testify, you know, as somebody with a spinal cord injury 
Um, and so our first probably two or three years, we were really kind of going in these circles of just meeting with our district, you know, representatives. So I think we only had four, four office meetings a year. Um, and that, and those people weren't even in the committees that addressed our concerns. So it was, um, we were doing it kind of the wrong way uh, for a few years. It's really important you talk to the committee members that your bill is getting directed to, um, get their support because by the time you testify to a committee, most of their decisions have already been made. Um, so it's very important to well inform the leaders of the committee, especially that um, it happens. And over, you know, it took us five years from start to finish to get our first version of the bill passed. Uh, and then, and that first version, we only had 500,000 a year. Now we have 3 million a year. So we were able to prove just, just to be clear, just to be clear, Rob, five hundred thousand and three million for SCI research. Yeah, spinal cord and brain injury research. Gotcha. A uh, year. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's it's about meeting with the right people, but it's also about building the right groups around you. So we created a pretty strong grassroots grassroots network of about fifty Minnesotans with spinal cord injuries or family members. Um, and then batched all those people with their district representatives. So when we went to go make an appointment, we could say, you know, oh, so-and-so, we have so-and-so in our network, they're in your district. Um, and then we try to get that person to come up. Uh, and that really helped open the door to a lot of uh, people too. So. Yeah, and Brooke, the yeah. grassroots, creating those grassroots networks is something that you're really focusing on now uh, for United Spinal, can you talk a little bit about what you're doing and sort of the role that uh, organization is taking in that? I definitely can. Um, currently, we are establishing an advocacy push throughout uh, the country. And um, for anyone who doesn't know, United Spinal has six uh, well-established regions for their chapters. And we're using that setup. And actually, Rob and Gina are both regional coordinators for our advocacy program, um, Gina for the West and Rob for North Central. And um, so what we're doing is we have uh, chapters all over the country and we are having an advocacy representative um, pop up and kind of take ownership for the advocacy role in their area. And what they're gonna do is just make sure, and, I, and while some of our chapters have some long standing advocacy uh, work built in so they they're ahead of the game but there are some of our more rural chapters or chapters who are just newer and um aren't doing that yet it's a cool opportunity to bring some, bring some people in and um just uh hear what's going on the thoughts of our members around the country and for people to focus on what's happening in their local communities and then um have have some tools that we're passing on that are going to help them both make those connections with their policymakers, as well as spearhead initiatives that are going to improve their community's needs. And then I'm here to try to make sure we are communicating and everyone knows what we're doing um, at different corners of the globe or even, uh, you know, neighboring states. A lot of times are working on similar initiatives or have similar interests, whether that be, you know, housing or transportation or all kinds of things. Um, that are unique to their communities. And I really want to make sure that everyone's able to utilize um, 
the work that we're doing so that people can learn from others mistakes and successes and um, find the best practices um, in order to you know we'll all benefit and in the long run that all slipperly uh, slipperly gets up to the the national level and um, you know we can make some big federal policy changes in time and um, and it also helps for us to be able to mobilize having this big network and these days with everyone's um, social media circles and um, just the connections we have that'll help when there's real a need for um for advocacy and uh you know when political action is, is right ahead of us it's a really nice thing that we can um, reach out to a few people and that grows from there so yeah awesome that's really cool uh, i mean there's so much collective knowledge i think uh across the country and we don't always get people don't always get connected with people that are able to uh help them and provide the kind of wisdom that you guys and others have so it's nice to see those networks being built. Uh, and I think, Gina, you kind of tapped into this uh, a little bit earlier this year in organizing uh, the role on the Capitol there in Arizona. Could you tell tell us a little bit about how that happened and what that was like? Yeah, that, that was, you know, it was a lot of fun. I loved it. It was kind of, it just came about after I went to the role on Capitol Hill last year with National I just was so uh, inspired, honestly. I realized that we were lacking that here. I mean, here in Arizona especially, I found that we have very little representation, and that is people with disabilities, especially wheelchair users. We have very little representation here in Arizona. So it just seemed like a natural progression to do something like that here. And I couldn't believe how easy it was. You know, we, I'm very lucky. Um, our capital is centrally located, so the members didn't have to travel for it. So that made it a lot easier. But we had a really good turnout, and we had a lot of great response from the politicians here. They were really happy to see us down there. So it, it made it very evident how important it is for us to go down there. Yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. It was a great event. And we pushed for progressive legislation because we're not really fighting anything here currently. There wasn't anything going through that's negatively impacting the disabled community. So we asked for uh, a certain amount of roll-in showers in apartment complexes. And we also asked for ADA inspectors instead of people with disabilities being the ones, obviously, you know, informing people of non-compliance. So we're still talking with them and working on it. As I said, it's slow. <sighs> Yeah, it looked. I saw some of the photos from it. It looked like it was a really fun event, and you make it sound really easy. What went into planning that and getting people to show up and you know be there uh, and kind of make their voices heard? I mean, I think today we're very lucky to have social media, and that aids in making advocacy very effortless a lot of times. Um, and then you know our. Capital offers, and almost every capital offers, uh, an event lawn that you can rent for free. You just have to get insurance. And we had breakfast and lunch and invited people, and people really care. So I think if you start something like that or give people a platform to get started, you know, it makes advocacy easier. And I found that that got people involved a lot more than normal. Oh, that's really cool. What, Rob, what about you? What what have you found as successful ways to motivate people to come out or, you know, when you're trying to get people for all these meetings, that can't be that that easy, is it? Um, yes and no. I mean, it's 
So a lot of our networking is done through adaptive gyms that we participate in. Um, and I think that's more because of the nature of, you know, people that go to adaptive fitness programs are seeking to keep their life strong and improve it physically. Um, and so research and fitness might fall hand in hand. I'm not sure. Um, but the rallies are really good introduction, you know, piece to get people pulled out to the Capitol. Uh, and then creating, you know, our social media was pretty big. Say the other big contributor. Um, and then just keeping the people informed um, is is also really big. So sending out weekly updates when you're active on legislation or monthly, um, asking them to do stuff like write letters. It's that that little, you know, hey, we need you to do this now or in the next couple of weeks. Um, so they feel like they're involved in the process too. And, and that those letters are really important too. It's, um, you know, it's, it's all, the more information you can get on your issue, it's the better. Yeah. I mean, just listening to you guys talk, uh, I mean, all three of you, uh, it's clear the role that, you know, advocacy and being an advocate has played in, in your lives and kind of changing, not, I don't want to say transforming, but, you know, providing some direction and new directions for you to go in. But what about the people that you've uh, worked with, you know, people who maybe have you brought under your wing for these different campaigns you're involved with? Have you seen it change them too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I I see that all the time. I mean, I think this is such a great opportunity. And, and being someone, once you have a little bit of experience and you've learned, because, of course, each of us was a first-time advocate. And um, I know that that was even my first experience where I didn't, I hadn't done as much research. I didn't know. I, I didn't know these, even my... um the policymakers that I was speaking to very well. It was just a, a casual um, state house visit. And um, I don't know, that just spurred something in me. Once I had I'd gone and done the visits, I really realized how much they wanted to hear from me and how much um, power we potentially do have. And that made me now, you know, I, I want to do the homework. I want to get involved. I want to bring other people in because I do see this, um, you know, we, we often feel marginalized or like just out of control and when it comes to political happenings. And so the fact that we can be in there and be part of that is uh, you know, it's really empowering. I, I agree, definitely. I think on a personal level and what I've seen with the people that get involved, um, it gives us a sense of purpose. You know, a lot of us have lost a lot of independence and control in our life. And this lets us take it back. You know, it doesn't matter what level injury you are, or, you know, what amount of education you've had, you have the ability to make policy changes that change the lives of thousands of people. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, go ahead, Rob. Yeah, I, I was about to say the same thing. And I was, yeah. Um. Um, yeah, you know, as far as the messaging, too, and how to get people involved, you know, we always do a one-sheeter. So, you know, there's a very complex message that usually goes with the picture, but most people don't need to hear 
complex message to get the point across or get persuaded to support a cause. Um, you know, a lot of the issues that we're asking in our community are pretty common sense, uh, basic civil rights and decency. And, you know, and the research too is, I mean, yeah, it's, it's all common sense and how you frame that message doesn't have to be a complex one. Yeah, I think a lot of people maybe have that idea that, you know, our policymakers know everything about everything or, you know, that they've got all this knowledge and we're having to go in there and, you know, change their mind. When I think uh, in reality, a lot of times in my experience, uh, it's really just basic education. You know, uh, I think sometimes these people have never uh, met someone in a wheelchair or, you know, heard about, you know, the difference between a power and a manual wheelchair or something um, you know, some of the issues that we deal with every day. Uh, can, maybe you guys could share some experiences from those, these kind of one-on-one -on -one situations where you felt like you really made a difference or just by, just by sharing your story, not by anything super complicated. Oh, I, I think I've got a simple one that was really easy. I mean, here in Arizona, I mean, it gets really hot. I think people know about that. And we have a really big problem with people parking on the access aisles. Unfortunately, it wasn't illegal statewide. So I went around and spoke to legislators and shared that with them. Most of them were under the assumption that that law already existed. So that was pretty interesting. You know, it's funny for me. I'm like, no, no, it doesn't. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Then they were embarrassed. So a lot of times it's just a lack of knowledge. Ignorance is key in bad legislation. I will tell you that, especially when it comes to people with disabilities. It's not really the fact that they're out to get us. It's they just don't even know. So that one, and it went through really quickly. All I had to do was go and share my story and tell them and point out that they were lacking. And boom, it happened. So. If it's something simple like that, I mean, nobody should be intimidated. You can go in on your own. It's a, a great example. You guys, Rob or uh, Brooke, you have any examples? I would if say not. for me, it's I, I've had a really interesting time. Um, it's actually it felt great to kind of speak specifically about my needs as someone with a spinal cord injury. Like I mentioned before, previously um, a lot of my advocacy work had been professional, and so getting to be in an office and really speak to my own needs. And um, last year, actually, on enroll, enroll on Capitol Hill, we were speaking to quite a few people about um, just living independently. And while I'm, you know, been very lucky, there's always this this, this fear um, of you know people taking away community services that um, you know we, a lot of us rely on and that's a huge fear and I you know it's not something I I talk about really at all but I, I wanted these legislators to know like that I am um, you know feel like I am able to get really far in the community and I have resources and I have a lot of things but um, you know if if something were to change heavily there's a chance that I you know would have to live uh, in some kind of care facility and that is terrifying and I wanted them to know that and um, so, you know, as hard as maybe that was, it was also really helpful for me to say, you know, this is me. I flew here, you know, flew to DC. I'm here. I'm been successful in my life, but at the same time, I'm under these. Um, you know, you have the the keys to some things that could really uh, make my life completely different, and I would have a completely different experience, and um, be really hard to get out of that. So, 
for me, that was hard, but also just a great feeling. Yeah. yeah. You know, and when, you know, I remember at Roland Capitol Hill, we were doing the uh, rehab, complex rehab bill uh, with the wheelchairs. And, you know, you go in there and tell them that CMS won't cover brakes on your manual chair or that you need to develop a pressure sore to get a better seat cushion that won't give you a pressure sore. Those kinds of, I've seen legislative assistants, their jaws pop when they hear that. It's, and that makes a huge difference when they hear that personally. They, they're not aware of these issues. And so if they don't know, they can't do anything about it. It's pretty simple. So. Yeah, we've talked, I think everybody's talked about Roll Capitol Hill uh, indirectly and directly at this point now. So maybe we can just talk a little bit about it uh, specifically since we're uh, coming up on the seventh Roll on Capitol Hill at the end of June. Uh, and I know the three of you have all attended in the past uh, once or multiple times. Uh, what What is the Roll on Capitol Hill for people who are listening and haven't been or don't know about it? How would you guys describe it? Other than hotter than hell. <laughs> Coming from someone in Arizona, that's saying something. I'm telling you, it's the humidity. Actually, no, it's such an amazing opportunity. Uh, last year was my first year, and I'll be going again this year. And uh, just being in that environment, I mean, you can't even begin to describe the experience until you're, like, there and you feel it. I mean, they have these grandiose buildings. And you have opportunities to make really big policy changes. You know, it's it's pretty incredible. And the conversations that you have, it's such a learning experience. Everything about it, I truly enjoyed. And it, it, it's really inspirational for advocates, for all advocates. I recommend anyone, if anyone gets an opportunity to do it, it's, it's well worth it. So what we're talking about, I mean, I think this year we'll have close to uh, 100 advocates from around the country, um, majority of whom are wheelchair users, uh, representing their chapters and the regions that they live in, uh, and just coming to DC for uh, three and a half days of pretty intense, but also like Gina said, a really fun um, and educational uh, advocacy uh, training. And uh, we get in on a Sunday night, there's a reception, all day Monday kind of learning about the policies and question and answers and seminars and things like that. Uh, Tuesday is spent on Capitol Hill um, with over 200 meetings with uh, elected representatives where everybody just kind of storms the hill. It's really cool. You see everyone rolling around. Um, and there's an awards reception that night where legislators come to uh, where United Spinal hands out some awards for people who've been instrumental in uh, advancing policies that are helpful to the community and honoring some of our members and other people too and wraps up on the Wednesday with kind of a debrief and everybody being exhausted and like Gina said probably hotter than hell uh, but usually with big smiles on their faces so uh, it's really an amazing event um, Rob or Brooke you guys have anything else you want to add? Um, I Last year was my very first year, um, like Gina, and I just I want to put a nod in. Not only do you learn tons um, from the education portion, but then you get to go out and and like you said, it's really exciting to see people in the halls of um, 
of Capitol Hill, just, you know, rolling by and, and knowing those people and knowing we we're all, you know, busy. It was a crazy day. I think we had seven visits. But, um, you know, by the, the last ones, we were great at it. And I think we learned a lot. Some of the visits were harder than others. But I think that was great. I liked um, people to ask me the harder questions. It really makes you think and makes me want to know more for the future um, so that I can always have the, the answers. And um, I don't know, I made a lot of great friends. Um, and I miss, there's people I, I can't wait to see um, this June, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a great, you know, social environment um, and pretty, educa the education is great. Uh, the lobbying day is really fun getting to, you know, actually do the business end of Washington, D.C. for, um, instead of just going to the museums and checking those out, which are fun too, but. Uh, it's really neat to be part of the national uh, national effort of how our government operates. Uh, and you know, you usually we'll meet with a legislative assistant or two in your meetings, um, but that doesn't mean you know that's that's it. You should follow up when you get home, schedule an in-district meeting when your senator representative is back in your district working, that's, that's a really good time to meet them in person. Um, and you, you know, the people that actually get the work done in DC are the assistants. So even though you're like, oh, I'm not meeting with my senator, it, you're meeting with the person that's going to be writing the bill probably, or your issue or uh, in a committee of other assistants that are writing the bill. So. Yeah, I think that's a great a great point too, Rob, and that uh, it's super fun, like we're all saying, and it's a, it's an amazing event, but it's also a really important event in terms of some of the things that come out of this. Um, there have been some real policy successes that uh, have happened in the last couple of years um, around extending some of the uh, benefits for complex rehab, um, some vets-related issues, and I think just also just the general education level of uh, some elect some of the policymakers uh, and the way we've contributed to raising that um, that have had a big impact. So it's really a, it's an important event too, in addition to being really fun. Um, and uh, I know I'm excited to be be back this year. So it'll be nice to see all of you guys there. And uh, if you're listening and you're interested in finding out more, uh, I would encourage you to go to our website, uh, www.unitedspinal.org. Uh, there's a whole page for the role on Capitol Hill on there that has lots of details. Uh, and the best way to get involved would be to look and see if you have a local chapter in your area. Um, United Spinal has over 40, I think we have over 50 chapters now across the country. Um, and uh, they're always looking for new members and there should be contact information there. If not, you can always contact uh, the national organization and we'll do our best to get you connected. Uh, but that's the first step and then Usually chapters send a couple different representatives each year uh, to the role on Capitol Hill. And um, yeah, so I'd encourage you to look into that. Um, and before we wrap up, I wanted to also just make sure to give each of you guys a little chance um, to plug any uh, advocacy stuff or anything else that you're working on um, or have going on that might be of interest to listeners. Uh, maybe Rob, we can start with you and then Gina and Brooke. Yeah. Um... You know, the, my my main focus is adaptive fitness and research, and we've seen a lot of threats to the NIH funding, National Institutes of Health, 
um, and actually a decline in spinal cord injury funding. I'm not sure if that's because it's being diverted to other diseases or if um, the applications and quality of research is right now is not meeting criteria that um, the NIH is looking for. But um, to me, those issues are really important to preserve our funding research and increase it, obviously, and get more translational type research and support coming out of the government. Um, adaptive fitness, too, is a really big issue for me. And so trying to get Medicare and other insurance co companies to cover adaptive fitness programs is kind of the top issues on my list, along with home care. There's a big home care nursing and BCA shortage. So. Is there, so uh, Rob, for anybody who's listening in your area in Minnesota or uh, in the, up in the north there, if they wanted to get more connected, is there a website or somewhere they could go? Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm, as far as the United Spinal goes, I'm connected with the Minnesota Spinal Cord Injury Association as part of United Spinal. Um, out of the research initiative that we created, Minnesota too, we um, founded a nonprofit called Get Up, Stand Up to Cure Paralysis. And that's really focused on adaptive fitness and research. And so that website's G-U-S-U, -S the number two. So G-U-S-U-2-Cure.org. And then the other one is M-N-S-C-I-A.org. So. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. Gina? All right. Yeah. Um, so uh, I've obviously got my wonderful chapter here in Arizona. So to all of my Arizonans, if you're in the uh, Phoenix area, we've got a meetup group starting uh, this next month. It will be starting on uh, the 24th or this month, actually, I realize it's already May. Wow. So May 24th, we have a meetup in Mesa, Arizona, if you're an Arizonan. So please come to that. You can find us on Facebook at Accessible Arizona Chapter of the United Spinal Association. And you can find us online at accessibleaz.org. As far as personally, I'm always pushing for policy and kind of exposing people to the world of disability. So you can find me on Gina is on a roll on Facebook. And that's kind of me and a few other things that are going on. I'll usually keep people up on policies. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I've got going on. So hit us up if you're in the area. Definitely, we're going to be having some fun. And we do continue working with politicians here. And we're pushing for policy. So we'll keep you updated on that. Awesome. And Brooke? And I just I want to push the Grassroots Advocacy Network. Um, so if you're interested in, in just joining this crew, it's really nice that um, Instead of having to think that you're doing things on your own, you get a great platform and you know you're speaking um, both about your needs and um, the needs of everybody who's involved, not to mention um, people who are not yet United Spinal members. But um, for that, I mean, I'm going to be sending out tools and things to make it easier for people to connect with their legislators and um, just opportunities to join local events. There's a lot of state-specific um, uh, actions that I will be sending out to people um, depending on where you live. And if you don't have a chapter near you, um, you those people are perfectly, wonderfully invited. Um, I'd love to have some of our uh, more rural people get involved. Um, we need you as well. So um, if you can go to the United Spinal website and look for the Advocacy Action Center, 
um, and the Grassroots Advocacy Network. That would be great. I'd love to have you on board and to join in the network and start helping one another out. Awesome. And again, that's www.unitedspinal.org. Cool. Uh, well, hey, thank you guys all so much for making the time on this afternoon. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure and hopefully it's been uh, educational for people who are listening. Uh, really appreciate your time and look forward to seeing the three of you guys in D.C. in just over six weeks. Uh, and yeah, thanks so much. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Bye.